Welcome back to Hot Takes Only. My name is Owen. I'm joined by Willie as always. Episode 13? Is this 12 or 13? I don't know. Something like... It's one or the other. We've been um, MIA over the last few weeks. Uh, It is playoff baseball season, if you can't already tell. Uh, And by that, I mean I was actually sick for most of yesterday. Still getting over that. So apologies if I sound a little lethargic or uh, raspy or, or whatnot, uh, if the audio on my end is not up to snuff. Um, and before we get started, I wanted to um, dedicate this episode to uh, my late friend James, who would have been 23 today. Today would have been his his birthday. Um, and like with any friend, I miss him every day. And it's just a reminder that we're all fighting our own battles and if you are going through something in life it you know go and get help or if you know someone who's going through something reach out to them even though they they may not want to talk about it because it's you know you can't treat mental illness like it's just a a non-issue it is an issue and i i lost my best friend to a a mental health issue and i want no one else to be in that situation ever again uh, because i know what it feels like and it sucks um but all that aside, um, this this show is for for my friend James, um, and I know he's in a better place now. Um, and before we get going for real this time, Willie, I, I hear you have a uh, interesting little yeah nugget to start the show. Yeah, I do. On uh, so I was at the gym today, and um, I'm lifting weights, and there's this guy in the pull-up bar, and I start talking to him, and we start talking about baseball, and uh, I was like, you know, who do you want to win? And he goes, oh. Um, I, I want to see a Red Sox-Dodgers World Series matchup. I was like, oh, who are you going to be rooting for? And he goes, I, uh, I can't decide. Uh, and why do you think he said that, Owen? Being, he's been from L.A. his whole life. Why do you think he can't decide who to root for? Mm, I don't know. You tell me. Well, it turns out he is a family friend of Joe Kelly's, and he has been really? – and he's and he's been uh, he sat in the uh, player section before at the games, and he wow. said he traveled some of the games, so it keeps a close eye on him. That's awesome. No, yeah. I believe it because I know he's um, Joe Kelly is from the area. He's right, from exactly. uh, Orange exactly. County, I think. Yep. Nice. And, yeah. That's a nice little segue into playoff baseball. We're actually uh, recording this episode Wednesday night, a little earlier than usually scheduled, um, and we haven't had a few episodes. Uh, kind of going back to that earlier point because we've had a lot of playoff baseball. Willie and I have both been pretty busy with just life in general, and uh, it's been tough to get a time for us to sit down and record this podcast. Um, The other little bit is uh, club football in Europe. Uh, You know, a big part of our show has been on international break for the last week or so. So we haven't had a game since Liverpool played Manchester City uh, and and drew 0-0 at Anfield, but... um, Nonetheless, we haven't had a whole lot to talk about um, just because we didn't have time to put, uh, you know, put our our thoughts into a podcast. So that is the reason for our delay. And we're a little earlier than usual because we both got stuff going on this weekend uh, and so on and so forth. Jumping right in. um, So we're recording this again Wednesday night is the middle of game four between the Red Sox and Astros from Houston. Minute Maid Park Um, is currently eight to six Red Sox in the bottom of the ninth. Craig Kimbrell is on for the six-out save. Um, it would be the longest save of his career. Um, he's never had a save more than four outs, so if he can record these last two outs, it would be uh, a career best for the flame-throwing right-hander. Um, and before we came on air, Willie, we were talking about this. Oh, sorry. So we'll we'll be talking about uh, this game kind of 
as it comes to a close in the next few minutes. Um, you and I were talking about the Dodgers and Brewers series a little earlier um, in that pretty much every game in that series has been, if not a close game, then a very, very good game, at least towards the latter stages. Yeah, no, it's been it's been very exciting. And um, it's just this series, the both pitching staffs have been excellent. Um, not surprisingly for the Brewers, but very surprisingly how good the bullpen has been for the Dodgers. Um, and But today, Owen, the difference was we've been talking about this. is just the difference in the series, the margins are so slim. It's going to come down to who hits with runners in scoring position and who can move runners over. And today, the Dodgers scored five runs, and all of them were to the opposite field or up the middle. Um, and that, that was the difference. The series is by no means over, but, but it's been very fun to watch. Yeah, and my prevailing thought in this uh, series uh, in both between both of these series is that there there is clearly one team uh, in both of them that has the advantage as far as pitching uh, holistically uh, in the NLCS it's the Brewers uh, and the ALCS it's the Astros I don't think there's there's a lot of room either way to kind of split those two I think the Brewers based on the strength of their bullpen and their ability to string games together with their rotation uh, has shown that they have a stronger staff uh, collectively. Now, that's not to say their starters are better than the, the Kershaws and the Ryus and the Hills uh, of the world, but it's more so they've been able to to make do with what they have and be more effective on the whole. Um, on the other side, uh, you would think the Astros have the stronger pitching staff based on the strength of their rotation, obviously with your Verlander, Cole, 1-2 punch up top, followed by Dallas Keuchel, who's a Cy Young Award winner of his own. Uh the the thought is that those two teams have on paper better staffs, but right now the Dodgers are winning that series, and the the rotation and the bullpen have overperformed. And I would say the same about the Red Sox. Their rotation and bullpen have both overperformed relative to what we saw during the regular season. Yeah, is that a bit of a stretch? I don't know, but at least based on what we've seen so far. And, and Red Sox currently in a bit of a bind um, with the tying run at the plate in the form of Carlos Correa uh, against Craig Kimbrell. It's it's uh, it's a lot. There's a lot going on right now between both series. And again, going back to your point, Willie, it's just a lot of fun to watch as a baseball fan. Yeah. Um, oh, it's been, it's been so fun. But um, yeah, to your point about the bullpens, I mean, the bullpens really have been um, the story of the series, if you go to the Dodgers series um, in Game 2, um, it was Jeremy Jeffers that got touched up for um, the Justin Turner home run. The Dodgers come back to win 4-3. to three. Game 3, um, both bullpens were absolutely um, excellent. And finally, they just outlasted, uh, the Dodgers outlasted them. Um, and then today, you know, as they pull uh, Wade Miley, but um, the Dodgers came through. And uh, I guess in... The Dodgers series, I think um, the interesting thing is I just I actually think that we got to talk about the managers for a second here because I think that Craig Council went all in to win games one and three, and it's really um, – games one and four, excuse me, and it's really hurt them. In game one, he pitched Josh Hader three innings, and um, in game two, he wasn't available, and so – you know, they got stretched out. Um, Jeffers pitched in what would have been Hater's spot, and he got touched up. Um, and then t- yesterday, he went all out. He used 
Knable, and Hader. So today, neither of them were available, and their bullpen got stretched, and the Dodgers took advantage. So did you see this Did you see this series coming on? I, I thought the Brewers were going to kind of run over the Dodgers. Um, I, I admittedly had the Brewers go to the World Series um, because I was of the, the opinion that bullpenning is sustainable in a seven-game series. But especially after watching Game 2, for bullpenning to be a a reasonable option, you have to have either no holes in the bullpen or be in a position where if one guy messes up, then the guy to kind of mop up behind him is lights out. Now, that is not exactly the case with the Brewers because uh, you understand that Hader has limits on the amount that he can go. Knable has limits on the amount that he can go. But at the same time, you have Jeffress in the back end of your bullpen who was dominant in the regular season, but in in the postseason has, really has not been good. He's, he's really pitched struggled. every game except for game, I believe games four and five. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just was not effective. The the stuff is good, but the the ability to command it has not been there for for Jeffress. And that's the that's the big thing with with Milwaukee is is even if Hader were to slip up, which is at this point very unlikely. If Knebel were to slip up, also unlikely. The guy to mop up behind him has to be there. And when you consider the fact that Jeffress is kind of the last big arm in that bullpen. If he slips up, who's there to clean up the mess, if you will? Uh, and there hasn't really been that guy for the for the Brewers. So nobody, to, yeah. To keep that to keep the point short, uh, I think the Brewers have missed just this element of I don't know. There, there's a fine line between a a compet- or a good enough staff to win and uh, a staff that's just not you know there's a fine line between being able to win with a bullpen and falling flat and i think they're walking the line as closely as possible um it'll be really interesting to see how they respond in milwaukee so you know this is just setting up for a really interesting end of the series and i think either way this goes both teams kind of deserve it um there will Mm -hmm. be question marks about the brewers no doubt because it is such a new thing this kind of bullpenning uh, sure. phenomenon, if you will. It's com- yeah, it's completely changed baseball. It, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's changed baseball. I think we're going to start seeing, you know, we're going to start seeing not only, particularly in the postseason, you can't, but I think in the regular season, even where you're going to start seeing is teams start pitching their best pitchers earlier. You know, it's not going to be you're the seventh inning guy, you're the eighth inning guy, you're going to ninth inning guy, you know? Don't well, be afraid to put your, your best pitcher in, in the sixth inning. I, I would agree, but I, I, I think. I think more so it's going to be common in the postseason, not so much the regular season. In the regular mm-hmm. season, not every single game is super high leverage. Um, you could True. see, you know, going back to, uh, you know, sorry for any Yankees fans listening to this, but you, you go back to the Red Sox-Yankees series at Fenway in late July where the Red Sox swept them in four games. You think about that and you're thinking, okay, uh, did did that series really mean – or did that did that sweep by the Red Sox really mean the end of the division race? Uh, and should they have, if given the opportunity, put their foot on the Yankees' throats? Yeah, um, that's right. And and my my thought is is that 
in high leverage games in a 162 game seasons, you could see it, but it's not going to be super common because teams aren't trying to win every single game. They're just trying to win more games than everybody else. So you could see it in higher leverage games, quote unquote, or in postseason games. But I, I think in the course sure. of 162 games, you're going to need a rotation of at least four guys who can give you 30 starts, 30, uh, you know, 30 starts, a, a fair few quality starts, and just enough to get you by as you as you go through what is a, a very, very long sure. season. So, so, so let me ask you this then. That said, do you think on the extreme case, do you agree with Craig Council's decision to give Wade Miley the axe after in the first after five pitches in this game, and then game one, Hank Gio Gonzalez after two innings. Well, the th- okay, what I'll, re- I'll respond with yesterday, uh, Gio Gonzalez being taken out due to injury. Uh, that's not entirely well. In what game, they but in game one, even um, he, he took him out in two innings. Okay, two. game one yesterday, he, he t- it was an injury, so right, it kind yeah, of forced yeah, yeah, him okay. to. That's what I was talking about yesterday. Um, game one, I I can see it because of how good the bullpen is, but I think. If a guy is throwing the ball as well as he was, you have to mm-hmm. you have to ride with him. You have to let him. You have to let him ride it out. I think it's it's it's. I wouldn't say short sighted, but the guy with definitely with postseason experience or experience with with good teams, you have to let him kind of do his thing. Um, and sure. I think the issue with Geo especially is that you know maybe. They didn't like his numbers against lineups second time around, mm-hmm. third time around. And I know a lot of teams, mm-hmm. these four teams left in the postseason are especially analytics heavy. That's and right. And there becomes a fine line where, yes, analytics are good and they've helped teams mm-hmm. win the World Series, namely the 04 Red Sox. But sometimes you do have to rely on this kind of quote unquote baseball instinct. Sure. And. Craig Kimball just loaded the bases with uh, two outs in the night. Dude, this is getting really this nerve-wracking. Is, uh, I- I'm very uncomfortable right so now. So on, on the subject of bullpen zone, while we're at it, um, first, okay, what do you make of, of the – I guess, and it goes along with the Red Sox too, but with the Dodgers, what do you make of all their bullpen success? Because their bullpen has been absolutely outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Kenley Jansen is back. Pedro Baez um, is pitching incredibly. Um, Kent Maeda in spurts. Dylan Floro comes in. Absolutely everybody is. And this team is a different team. They have a good starting staff. So if they can get this bullpen going, they're a completely different team. And it's the same thing with the with the Red Sox. You know, after Workman got touched in touched up in Game One, you know, Joe Kelly, um, Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes. Um, they've all been incredible, but in the but that's all we talked about on our shows. On a lot of it coming into the postseason was what were you going to get from from either bullpen? But oh both bullpens have been my them. god. I didn't see what just happened. Uh, you're about to see it, but uh, we'll we'll get to the Dodgers in a second. But uh, uh, just give it a second. We'll, we'll we'll wait for Willie to see this play because um, yeah, we'll wait for Willie to see what happens. Um, but yeah, the Dodgers, I think, uh, have overperformed. And I think we we touched on this a little earlier in the show. They they absolutely overperformed or have been overperforming so far. The bullpen for the Dodgers. Whoa, they, Ben Attendee. That's um, and and Alex Bregman of all players too. I mean, that's that is an incredible catch 
by Andrew okay. Benatendi. Uh, you guys are going to see that on Sports Center tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Uh, top ten plays. Andrew Benatendi putting the dagger in one uh, six out save for Craig Kimball with an amazing diving catch to to put the series at three games to one in favor of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, I did not see this coming. I saw Astros in five. Astros in five in the World Series. This is absurd. Uh, yes, it is. What's going? The Red Sox have. Won four. They've played four home get four. Sorry, four road games in the postseason. They have won four games on the road in the postseason. They are incredible on the road so far this postseason, and they are one win away from the World Series for the first time since 2013, which is insane. Um, yeah. Back on back on track. Talking about the Dodgers. Um, absolutely overperformed from the bullpen uh, as far as the bullpen is concerned this year. Uh, I don't think there's any any doubt that that was the biggest concern for them. Um, they didn't have a identifiable eighth inning guy. They didn't have the dominant Kenley Jansen they had for a lot of the season. They didn't have a kind of long guy who could give you length um, or who could give you uh, kind of a bit of a confidence booster. They had several relievers who were just absolute liabilities every time they took the ball, namely Scott Alexander. Uh, just on the whole, it was a, a mess a mess in the bullpen for, for, for LA. And the, the other part of it, and we, you and I have been talking about this uh, while watching this series. Mm -hmm. It's, it's unbelievable to see that the lineups, the Dodgers continue to put out day after day, have the same flaws in them. They can be attacked in the same ways. Uh, And today we saw what I believe is a slightly different approach. They didn't try to be a hero. They didn't try to hit the the solo home run, the two-run home run, the three-run home run that either ties it or puts them up by one or two. They tried to put the ball in play today. Yeah, and more so than other. You just look at the swings they took, not just against the pitches that were right. Thrown. They were kind of half like Bellinger had that hit. It was kind of a half swing. Exactly, it, and they're that's, just short, compact swings. That's what they've and, been missing. And to that point, Owen, you know who's done that excellently. A little off track is is the Boston Red Sox. Um, they make contact. They score with two outs. Um, but the Dodgers have not done that. Um, they struck out 32 times um, in the previous two games coming into today. Um, they just did not move the runners over. They took big, long swings with launch angles. And today was just a matter of, of smart hitting. Um, and the other thing is... While certain guys for um, the Dodgers have really stepped up, um, we do have to mention this, guys like Cody Bellinger yesterday and Brian Dozier. Um, while, while certain guys for them have stepped up, there have been certain guys um, for the Brewers that have really struggled. Um, Christian Yelich, 5 for 28, um, I believe, in the postseason. Lorenzo Cain was hitless in games 3 and 4. Um, Mike Moustakis has really struggled too. Um, actually, their best hitter has been Orlando Arcia, <laughs> believe it or not. So, um, you know, timely timely hitting, but that, that approach is going to be key. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's why this series, going back to Milwaukee, is going to be so interesting because you don't know what kind of effect that's going to have uh, on um, on guys like Moustakas who have struggled and Kane and Yelich. Is that going to help them? I think I think going home – and having that little that level of comfort is going to help more so than not. But it's still tough because Yelich, who was the hottest player on the planet mm-hmm. at the end of September and into early October, has basically gone missing. Now, he's still been the gold glove defender and the guy with the great arm in, in, in right field, but he hasn't been 
this kind of unanimous NL MVP that we've seen from the last kind of month or so of the season. That's so, right. This is going to be a really interesting end of this, to this series. And if the Brewers are able to win this series, down 3-2, but both games at home, mm-hmm. um, I think it'll be deserved. However, the way they're going to attack whatever AL team wins the ALCS is going to be even more intriguing because at the end of the day, neither one of these teams are are, are easily, easily beaten. You have to go through a team that won 108 games by beating you every which way possible or a team that won 103 games and oh by the way they're the defending world series champions so to, it's pick your poison at this point for the, to, for but the to quickly i guess wrap up this this dodgers brewers to that point i think it's an interesting point um you're kind of seeing i think just the the depth that the dodgers have play a series and you know and i think that's something that could serve them if the dodgers were to advance could really serve them well they just have – they've spent so much money. They have they have the ability to just ride the hot hand on both sides. So, you know, in the pitching in – the, in, the, in the starting lineup, for example, you know, they have the ability to, you know, switch their whole lineup around. And now, you know, Yasiel Puig and Cody Bellinger um, were hitting, and Max Muncie is hitting well. So they're putting him into the lineup, you know, um, in the bullpen. Like, they've gone a lot to uh, – and also, by the way, away from Grandal, who's having a horrible series. Um, they've in the bullpen. They're they're going to guys like Ryan Madsen, um, who whoever has the hot hand, Pedro Baez and Kinley Jansen right now. They can go to. That's something the Brewers just don't have the luxury to do. Um, and so I think that's a really interesting thing as well. Right, but I'd also counter by saying the Brewers they don't have a hot hand per se because they have two guys who you know good luck getting hits off of them, let alone scoring runs in the in the form of Josh Hader and uh Corey Knable those guys you cannot they are untouchable right now and it's not even that I, I think Hader by far has the best stuff but Knable just has the most deceiving delivery with really with a really good fastball as well um yeah. the fastball changeup combo he has is I think second to none right now in the postseason and oh it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, to ride the hot hand when both of them are just scorching so it, it's one of those things where it's it's a little more predictable for the Brewers uh you know high lever situation other team threatening you kind of know who's coming into the game with the Dodgers it could be anybody uh it could be Kenley Jansen it could be Ryan Madsen it could be Baez uh yep. it, it could it could literally be anybody and again, anybody. this just goes back to playoff baseball at its finest once again incredible and I just want to say too I think there there was a stat yesterday from innings five through nine there was a base runner um on each half inning every single half inning and no runs were scored after the top of the fifth. So that just tells you it's going to come down to who who hits in the high leverage situations. You know, who's going to step up for both teams. Yeah, and it honestly today looked like it was never going to be the Dodgers based on what happened yesterday. But lo and behold, it it was the Dodgers with the guys. We'll see, who, but I'll who, tell you what. It's the way Shasin threw too. in game three, if they make it to game seven at home, like the Brewers. Yeah, no, game seven – is is something that we all root for as neutrals, mm-hmm. but it, oh, it's it's something to really look forward to if if it does happen. If the Dodgers are able to close out in Game Six, you know it's it's well done oh, yeah. to them. They they kind of prove this kind of orthodox yeah. go with a a full rotation and and kind of you have mm-hmm. your typical closer, you have your your guys who are your setup guys, you have your your seventh inning guys. 
Yep. Or conversely, if the Brewers are able to to come back and win this series, then maybe bullpenning is going to be a viable option in October. That's right. Now, I don't think it'll be more than what it is right now, which is kind of a fad. Um, I think most most teams will still adopt this kind of five six starter rotation. <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. The regular season, uh, and go to whoever's your hottest guy or your best guy in the bullpen in high level situations in the postseason. That doesn't necessarily work again when you're playing 162 games a year. It's it's a long season. Yeah. And it taxes your bullpen really quickly. For sure. No, I think also it's just because, particularly with the Brewers, the way their team is constructed, you know, they have so many arms in that bullpen. That's their strength. They have to go to it, you know. And Craig Council, he said that he watched every single, in the offseason, he watched every single postseason game from the previous year. And he determined the best strategy was to be aggressive. So that's our going to the hook. But I do have to say, I promise we will get to the Red Sox series, but we have to talk about the Manny Machado situation before we move on and i just want to say i personally am of the opinion that i think that there shouldn't be questions about the contract that he gets in the offseason this is the same player he's always been he's still delivering on the field he seems to be a fine guy in the locker room yeah he's made some dirty plays and he has a history of doing it but to me it's the same old you know manny machado and i i I, I view him no differently than I did before the play yesterday. Here's here's my thing with Manny Machado. Um, you absolutely cannot, cannot, cannot overlook the fact that teams to, who are looking to sign Manny Machado are getting one of the top bats in the game and one of the top defenders in the game. That is a fact. Manny Machado yes. is a gold He's, glove oh, shortstop, incredible. a silver He's, slugger shortstop, and one of the best hitters in the uh, game, cool. at his position. By the, the way, this postseason has delivered. A this lot. postseason has delivered, and and he has has kind of done his part in certain situations. Now he did ground it in two double plays today. He did. But what I will say is that you kind of take the bat the you take the bad with the good, if you will. Uh, whether or not Machado is a quote unquote bad guy, I don't know. You don't know. You don't know the guy, but I I am of the opinion that. You can't overlook what he what he provides to you from a baseball perspective. Now, the yeah, kind of right. human being he is, that's up for debate because you have to get to know him. You have to kind of know where he comes mm-hmm. from, his motivations for for doing what he does. There's a lot going on in in every in every scenario, I think, and you can't overlook what he brings to you on the field just because of of what he might do in. Uh, you know what? What kind of antics he might bring? I mean, it was kind of the same with Manny Ramirez, um, with with the Dodgers. You you kind of knew you were getting this um, this guy who, excuse me, who who hustled when he sure. felt like it, and and did things his own way, but also gave you one of the most incredible postseason and regular season bats in the history of the in the history of Major League Baseball. But and to that point though, Owen, it's like. Craig Council after the game yesterday, he goes, I don't think Machado's playing very hard. Well, I didn't hear anybody talking about this when Machado's in Baltimore. He did the same thing. I didn't see him hustle for every ground ball. You know, yeah, Yelich plays the game the right way. He really does. But it's the same guy, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think you have to consider his bat. You have to take a lot of things into consideration before 
making a, an evaluation of him as a player and as a person. So, you know, that's where I stand in Machado. He's still one of the premier players in baseball. Mm-hmm. And any team, yep. I'm sure most teams in baseball will be lining up to sign him uh, once free agency hits after the conclusion of the regular season or of the postseason, the World Series. Absolutely. Oh my God. The World Series are right around the corner. Should. Yep. So. Switching gears to the AL in the recently concluded yes. Game 5 between the Red Sox and the Astros, or Game 4, I'm sorry, between the Red Sox and Astros. Um, wow. we I, I was not expecting to see this, but the Red Sox are a game away, a win away from the World Series. Um, I, I've been saying for months and months now the Red Sox bullpen would be their demise in October. Uh, mm-hmm. We knew they are going to get to October. That was not a a doubt for any part of the season at all. Um, most wins in baseball, uh, most runs in baseball, never a doubt they were going to be there. But I always thought that the one thing holding them back was the absence of a dominant bullpen. Um, sure. There was nobody during the season that really asserted themselves as a dominant reliever. Craig Kimbrell was good, but he hasn't been his, he wasn't his best this year. Uh, yep. I'll argue he was better last year than he was this year, but I've been proven wrong, and I've I am okay with being wrong if it means that my teams do well because it, you know you you see a team overperform with their bullpen like they have. I mean, you you think of the guys who are who are absolutely dominating for the Red Sox out of the bullpen. Uh, we'll start with the back end of the bullpen. Ryan yep. Brazier. Who would have thought Ryan Brazier would sure. have a sub two ERA in the postseason? And be in high leverage situations, having the trust of Alex Cora <laughs> no. and the coaching staff to go in there and sh- and shut down danger every time it comes up. Uh, Joe Kelly has been phenomenal this postseason. He was yes. he was not good in the regular season after the Tyler Austin incident. Um, he had right. a couple good outings, but on the whole, we did and, not see a good Joe Kelly. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just want to mention to your point quickly about about Brazier. Um, he struggled at parts of the Yankees series too, you know, at the very beginning of the series too. And I remember watching the Yankees series and at the very beginning, I was like, here we go again. You know, uh, the Red Sox barely holding on, but both those guys though, and Brazier Kelly and all, what about Matt Barnes? Matt too? Barnes has been incredible. Um, I always thought he was a liability, but he, he's at least so far, turned it around and has, you know, he has been a big reason why the Red Sox are within a win of the World Series. Um, and then I got to give some love to to Rick Porcello for mm-hmm. coming out of the bullpen and pitching the way he did in both, uh, I believe it was game two and game three. Yep. Uh, just incredible. Um, now, the biggest question mark is obviously going to be Chris Sale. Uh, if the Astros are able to stay alive and force game six, who do the Red Sox run out there if Chris Sale is not able to go? Obviously with his stomach issue and uh, having to stay an extra day in Boston to have uh, stay overnight to have his stomach looked at, um, does that impact the Red Sox in any way? Does that make it harder for them to have a tighter grip on game six in Boston? Um, but that's the thing though. Either you know, way, this series is going back to Boston in, yeah. in a worst case scenario, I, I have. I think it's a blessing in disguise the Chris Sale situation actually, because personally, I, um, you know, I don't think if you throw him out, if he pitches tomorrow, you know, odds are at home, I, I think Verlander's going to come through. So now potentially, if he can get healthy, you have him at home, if if that's the case. Um, you know. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, but what what have you seen from those guys in the bullpen? You know, with their stuff that's that's made them execute better. Uh, for me, I think it's been one of the more intangible things. It's been the swag. It's been the command. It's been the the presence on the mound that no matter who's at the dish, they're thinking the pitcher's thinking. I'm going to throw you three pitches and you're going to sit right back down in the dugout. Uh, it's it's that kind of confidence that they have in in their command, their stuff, and just their ability to get outs. Um, and you know, it's 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 incredible to see what the postseason could do to some players. Um, some players rise to the occasion. We've seen and t- documented extensively what Madison Bumgarner can do in the playoffs uh, right. with a microscopic ERA. I mean, I I think he's given up like three runs in his career in the postseason, which is unreal. Um, yeah. And then you think of guys like so far this series, Mustakas, Kane, and Yelich, three of the best, three of the premier players in baseball, who haven't performed so far in this That's series. Right. And it's there's still a lot of baseball left, but it has to be a little concerning. Yeah. No. Certainly. And I mean, I guess on that on that note, on the concerning, I. If I'm not mistaken, the Astros in the regular season had the be- the best bullpen ER statistically if you go by ERA, and the Red Sox have um, have hit them. Whether it's Osuna, whether it's James um, Presley, whoever it is, they've been able to get to them, and that and that's a bit surprising too. You know, not yeah. only the ability of the Red Sox to pit, but the Red Sox to hit those guys and the starters for that matter. What what remind what? Kind of shocks me a little bit is that Osuna's career ERA against the Red Sox is is just under seven. Wow! Uh, and that's including that's yesterday's um, yesterday's uh, the performance, mm-hmm. to say the least. And good old um, Joel Smith too. <laughs> just I think there's a lot about uh, about Houston's bullpen that's good, but. The postseason is a different animal, and it's it's just it. You know, I, I hate to be that guy in in sports media who never really backs it up with a statistic, but sometimes you can't really you can't really quantify what playoff pressure does. Um, and I think maybe a little bit of that has gotten to the Astros. Um, now, obviously, we can't talk about the Astros in the playoffs without talking about their third baseman, who is uh, to me right now. The best, the best third baseman in baseball. Absolutely, and he's hot. Nobody, nobody else comes close. Especially yeah. when you consider what he does when the calendar turns to October. He is a completely different player uh, compared to everyone else in October. And he had a chance to to be the hero tonight. But um, if not for a great catch by Andrew Benintendi, then this series could be tied at two games apiece, and we could be looking at a a very different complexion. But now the Red Sox are up three one, one game away from the World Series, and um, you know that takes nothing away from from Bregman though. He's defensively been uh, yeah one of the best players, I'm... and and they're giving him the Barry Bonds treatment as well. I mean, you you think about the pitches that he's getting to hit, uh, they're they're not good. Uh, all of the pitches that are being thrown his way are either designed to get him to chase or to let him take first base if he wants it. Um, we haven't seen that since Barry Bonds, or we don't really see that often. Um, you see them with a handful of players, but Barry Bonds is one of them. David Ortiz is another. Sure. Maybe Manny Ramirez. Uh, and the list is is a very short one of players who you just do not pitch to at all. Uh, so, you know, full respect to Alex Bregman for what he's able to do in, in the playoffs. No doubt. Yeah. 
No, no, absolutely. But some, you know, to that point, I mean, first, yes, he is young. He is electric on both sides of the plate. He's the hottest. I mean, uh, before today, I'd say he's one of the hottest hitters, you know, in the postseason. Um, you know, he's just he's just incredible. He rises to the big moment. And I actually like what they did today, hitting him in the leadoff spot. Um, you know, it just gets him more at-bats. It gives him some protection because Springer is also hitting in the series. Um, so I think that's something to look for. you you got to give credit where credit's due, you know. But how about, I mean, giving credit to where credit's due, I mean – how about Jackie Bradley Jr., Owen? I mean, how many RBIs does he have in the series now? You know what? When you're hot, you're hot. In three games, he has, let's see, uh, I, don't even, I don't even know how many RBIs he has. I think it's I think it's nine RBIs in three games in this series, and that's not counting game one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jackie Bradley Jr. is one of those hitters who, when he gets hot, you can't pitch to him. But... But he's never he's he's very very hot and cold. I mean, he sure. started off the season below the Mendoza line, yeah, uh, and that was a good two months, um, maybe two and a half months. But since then, I mean, he he hit about three hundred, and I think he ended the season with an average of around two forty, maybe two thirty. Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't matter in October. What you do in the regular season just does not matter at all. Really, and he doesn't. showed that if given the opportunity, he can still. He can still compete. He can still succeed, and he did just that. Uh, he took a pitch from Osuna that was up and in, and hit it over the fence. He took a pitch that was down and away, or I think it was up and away, in game two, and hit it off the monster. He took a pitch that was again high and tight today, and hit it out. So it, it you know, when you're hot, you're hot, and he's hot right now. So it's it's a big help for the Red Sox when the number nine hitter uh, is is ready to roll as someone you can't really pitch to. And it just makes your lineup that much longer. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's absolutely incredible what he's done. Absolutely. The MVP, he's risen up to the big moment, you know, um, same with Orlando Arcia, you know, hit as many home runs and the playoffs as he did the regular season. Um, but you know, that's what I guess makes the, the Red Sox so dangerous, you know, it's, it's, you know, on the offensive side, um, you know, everybody's going to give the attention to, you know, Martinez and Benatendi and Betts. But, you know, Bogarts has had a couple of big games. You know, Steve Pierce has the home run yesterday. Um, he's had a couple of, of, you know, he's had hits in multiple games. Um, we just talked about J- JBJ, you know. Um, J.D. Martinez has been J.D. Martinez so J.D. Martinez. Um, Brock Holt has had instances in the post. He, he had a nice walk today. He's had games where, he, where he's come through too. Yeah. So Rafael Devers as Devers, well. Devers, Christian Vasquez as well. Vasquez, yep, he was inserted. Devers today had a couple RBIs too. There's just there's no breaks at all in this lineup at all. Yeah, none. And, and, and regardless of what the stats tell you, you can't sleep on the Red Sox and, anywhere in the lineup. And we got to talk about that because as much as we talked about in the Dodgers series, you know, both teams, I think, coming into this today, were hit, I think the Dodgers had hit like 200 runners in scoring position. The Brewers like below 150. The Red Sox have had, I want to say, they said during the broadcast today, 12 or 13 runs with two outs. That's just clutch hitting right there, you know? Yeah. And the foundation of, of the Red Sox this year has not been the long ball. Last year, they were... I think second to last or last in the American League in home runs. They didn't hit any grand slams. They hit a bunch this season. Uh, I think 10 or 11 if you count the postseason. Um, Mm -hmm. But 
they they weren't near the top of the league in home runs, I don't believe. At least it didn't feel that way. It didn't feel like this team was reliant on the long ball to score runs. Uh, J.D. Martinez hit quite a few home runs of his own, but he wasn't driving sure. in 100. Well, they weren't. If you just look runs. at the you know the the leaders and you know the Yankees were first in the home runs, the Dodgers were second. We've seen it this postseason. You know they really. <laughs> they strike out or hit home runs. They can't get runs without the long ball. But the, you're right. The Red Sox were the most powerful offense in the MLB, but they weren't relying on home runs no, at all. It's, it's the ability to go from first to third on on balls under the gap. It's the it's the speed. Yeah. It's the the contact. They hit. They don't strike it's, out. It's putting the ball in play with two strikes with two outs. That's yeah. the difference between championship winning teams and teams that come up just short and. For me, it's one of those things where, you know, I can sit here and tell you how easy it is to hit a baseball that's coming at you 90 miles an hour, but my my baseball career ended at the age of 12, mm-hmm. maybe 13, maybe I was 14, I don't know. <laughs> Either way, it's not hard. It's not, or no, it is hard. It's not easy. And, you know, credit to players who have been at this far in their careers, um, but there comes a time, I think, where the game has changed to the point where the approach for most players has not been put the ball in play. It's been no. launch angle. It's been launching. try to hit the ball as far as possible. It's been home run first. If you don't hit a home run, you probably strike out. Yeah. And and that's not kind of the quote-unquote fundamental baseball that, that I'm sure you and I played growing up. Um, yeah, you know, every little leaguer nowadays is taught to not swing for the fences. Is taught to put the bat on the ball first, then worry mm-hmm. about the power. Um, and, and it's just- it's not only the the launching. Well, the launching will strike outs. I I really dislike it because they don't. They, it doesn't seem like they they change. There's too much of it. There's too many strikeouts in, in the game and home runs. But also, too, the other thing is um, there's. It seems like there's so much shifts, but the players. It doesn't look like they're making an attempt to hit away from the shift, you know? Like, yeah. that, that's the other thing, too. Yeah, and it's uh, funny. It's funny because um, Christopher Russo on MLB Network, um, on, on his show, there's there's a little bit in, a, in one of the advertisements for it um, that says to bunt the ball down the third base line when they're shifting on you. Um, well, what happens when they're pitching you in, 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 in? You have to basically stand with your bat a certain way, and even to put the bat on the ball can be tough. Um, it's 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 not as easy as it, as we're making. No, it, it sound. isn't. Um, but you're right. I, I I do think there's there's a, a little bit of this emphasis on just trying to do too much and trying to trying to mm-hmm. hit the ball out of the ball out of the park too much. And it kind of reminds me of this NBA shift to uh, you know teams sitting behind the three point line trying to mimic the Warriors. And, and yeah, let's be honest, it doesn't work. It you have to have unbelievable shooters for that to work uh in baseball you just have to have unbelievable home run hitters for that to work and there just aren't a lot out there um three of them play for the yankees unfortunately (laughs) for for us us fans who who tend not to like the evil empire Uh, but that's neither here nor there Um, but see the the problem is though too is it's just like when you this this approach in the MLB with when you're talking about launching it doesn't work and you're seeing it when pitchers have swing and miss stuff a lot you know 
I mean, you've seen that. That's particularly been the case in the in the the Dodgers series where the Brewers just have you know Soria, just guy after guy that has high velocity, big breaking balls, and the Dodgers guys just keep doing it. You know, but when you combine the the specialty stuff that pitchers have today with the the with the launch angle, it just doesn't go together. Yeah, definitely a, a concern for kind of fundamental baseball, mm-hmm. if you will. And oh, oh, by the way, Owen, I don't want to forget this point. Um, I think that in both series, there was a couple of huge plays that if if the Red Sox and the um, Dodgers go on to win and go to the World Series, that these we should talk about these plays. Starting in the Red Sox game, in today's game, Mookie Betts made two huge plays, I thought. One was the play in the ninth inning where we saw where he threw out, uh, was it Kemp? Yeah, on the second threw base? out Tony Kemp trying to take Kemp second on a, on a base hit. Stymied a potential rally. Second one was, I forgot who hit it. I think it was the seventh inning. Was it Gonzalez or Guriel maybe? But there was a ball that hit off the wall and Betts got it quickly and he threw it in, hit the cutoff man, and he limited the runner to third base and he didn't score I just thought those were two huge fielding plays. Um, and then yesterday in the Dodgers game, in extra innings, Cody Bellinger makes that sliding catch if he misses it, yeah. goes past them, the Brewers win. So I, I just think we shouldn't overlook those things. No, and you're absolutely right. And those are plays that uh, you, you talk about the impact of pitching and defense in October. Um, pitching is, is definitely the alpha in that situation, but defense is so important uh, when it comes to making plays like that. And Cody Bellinger... Uh, is a first baseman. He's not an outfielder by trade. No. But he, he he has played in the outfield in his career. And he hasn't played right field at all in the MLB. Exactly. And he's been serviceable in the outfield. But for him to come up with a play like that in extra innings when the game is on the line is so huge. And you, you just have to think that, um, you know, the Dodgers feel good about that. And, and if he can get the bat, the contact part of his hitting sorted out sooner rather than later, the Dodgers are in good shape. Yeah. And, you know... To the point of, of fielding, which is an absolutely huge thing, uh, at the catcher position, uh, Martin Maldonado and Yasmani Grandal seem to have the yips a little bit, and they've made some critical mistakes that have allowed runs at critical times to come through the plate, you know? Yeah, definitely. So that's and another... I, I want to wrap up our baseball segment, and before we get to our little hot takes, there's not a lot of soccer we're going to talk about this week just because of, mm. of time and, um, you know, pre- looking forward to the weekend. Um, obviously, some, mm-hmm. some big games here and there, but um, the, the last point I wanted to make is there is, I think, too much blame put on 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 pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Specifically with Clayton Kershaw, um, I think that when you go back to the, I believe it was the game one start, yep. um, where he was taken deep by by a reliever, Brandon yep. Woodruff, uh, and right. he did not look good, and, and the narrative all of a sudden becomes Clayton Kershaw is not a good pitcher, Clayton sure. Kershaw is not good enough to be the best pitcher in baseball, uh, mm-hmm. some some other garbage narratives. I think. Two things on that. I think we're moving the goalposts like we do with all of the, all the greatest players in every sport. Uh, LeBron James is one that comes to mind. Messi is one that comes to mind. Ronaldo mm-hmm. is one that comes to mind. The the top player, Tiger Woods, is one who comes to mind. Players who we keep moving 
the goalposts for, um, mm-hmm. not really recognizing how good they are while they're while they're in their primes. Yeah, um, and, and that's that's kind of ridiculous to me. The other thing is, um, one of the big things with Kershaw's start in Game One was a bit of the defense behind him. Uh, the Dodgers, we talked about Grandal uh, making a couple errors. Part of those were in Game One, and you have to think that if if certain runners aren't able to advance 90 feet on a pass ball or a wild pitch, then the hitter's not a little more relaxed at the plate. They're not thinking, oh, I just have to put it in play because if it gets through, the guy coming around, the guy on second is probably going to score. Mm-hmm. It's little psychological things like that I think can make a huge impact, and not all of that is, is the pitcher's fault. No, um, it isn't. Yeah, no, that's a fair now, point. This is also coming from a foreign pitcher, so you know, sure. it's, a, it's a little biased, I think. But I think Kershaw gets a little too much flack for how good he is. Um, yes, he has underperformed relative to his re- regular season success when it comes to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I still think that there is no no doubt he is the best pitcher on this planet of this generation, period. Mm. Yeah, um, it's hard to disagree with that. And I mean, I, I guess, yeah, no, I know. It's just, it's it's really unfortunate, Owen, because, um, you know, listen, his contract's up. If And it's uh, I agree with you, it's unfortunate, but a lot of people you know, we'll point to, I don't even think as much the overall record, but more so, you know, last year, if, what was it, game four or five, where he had the bad start in the, in the World Series? I believe it was game five. Five. You know, if he pitches well that, that game, they don't blow the lead, maybe they win. So that's the one, I think even more so than the postseason ERA would tell you, because yes, he's absolutely incredible. Um that's the one if they can't win a world series that that will haunt his legacy yeah no I, and it I, should, but it shouldn't it really shouldn't it, it shouldn't it it shouldn't and it's just one game it's unfortunate that it, it has the potential to do that even though it, it it doesn't overshadow his body of work as a player i mean how many pitchers actually win mvp i mean the other one who yeah. was who's won mvp is on the other side or was on the other side uh of of the diamond in last year's world series in justin verlander He's, yeah. at least in recent memory, the only other pitcher to win a, 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 an MVP as well as a Cy Young. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to think that he's done enough on his own to merit a Hall of Fame bid. Um, there's only so much you can control as one player on a 25-man team. So, you know, that's one of the things about baseball that I, I love to kind of put a, a bow tie on this segment. Um, it's not dependent on one person like basketball. One player can make a difference. Um but not on the scale of a sure. an NBA. Yeah. No, that's that's true. No, that's absolutely true. Um, but the other thing, I you know what I would say though, and I, I think it's while maybe individual players get blamed too much, I do think that the postseason baseball is so much about momentum, and just the, you know, if you give up a couple runs. Yeah, that doesn't seem like much, but it really does swing the momentum, particularly because runs just seem hard to come by, you know, at times. But, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on the subject of, of things being hard to come by are my hot takes this week because I actually Go don't have anything this week. Okay. Um, I've been talking for 15 minutes. My throat's getting a little sore, so I'll let you kick us off yeah, with I got a couple, takes. man. Um, oh, cool, man. And if, I, if any come to mind, I'll, I'll get them out. But for now, I'm, I'm done talking for okay. for I think right. for the rest of the show. I got – I got four bullet points. Bullet points. I'll make them quick, okay? Number one, if Tiger Woods is the the best comeback story that we've seen in sports, and rightfully so, 
I think that 1B or 1C should be Justin Verlander. Um, I don't think people forget that five years ago or so, um, he didn't think he was going to play again. You know, he had, I think, the highest ERA. There was one season where he had, I think, the highest ERA in all of MLB. And he was just decimated by, even though his shoulder blew it out, it actually, I was reading about this, and it actually said his, um, his weak core and his toe, his weak joints in, the, in, the, in his feet were causing the injury. And after just a couple years of just injury after injury after injury, he came back, and now two straight years, he's, he's um, one of the best pitchers in the game. And it's just great to see. And he is an electric pitcher on one of the best pitchers of our generation, and I think it's just a story worth mentioning. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think that's a that's a real. Ta- I don't think that's a, a hot take, if you will. I think it's right up there. I think it's it's something that'll be mentioned when right. we talk about his when he retires, when we talk about his career on the whole, what happened. So I'm with you there. Okay, number two, I think that Walker Bueller is going to win a Cy Young award. I think he's the young Justin Verlander. On at some point in his, his career stuff- this season. Is so incredible. That's some, man. You're talking about some point in his career, right? Yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, his that's career. not a hot take either. He's I'm, the best dude, he's, young pitcher you have in our game. Yeah, I'd buy that. Okay, you think so? Oh yeah. All no right. Question. Here are my last two things. Number one, I've come up with a list of teams in our generation because there's a lot in you know previous generations that I think were the five best teams to um, not win uh, a trophy or, or, ti- or a title, um, but, but just couldn't get over the hump, okay? Because I thought about it um, with, uh, with the Cleveland Indians because they, they made me think of this. So um, the other teams that come to mind um, by these – are, um, yeah, the Cleveland Indians, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and and the Atlanta, the really good Atlanta Braves baseball teams. Ugh. Those oh, are the three teams that really stand out to me. The Cleveland Indians have a chance to break the drought. They get to Game 7 at home. They can't do it. The Oklahoma City Thunder have two of the best players basketball's ever seen. They can't get a title. The Atlanta Braves win the division year after year after year. Those three teams. You mean teams, 14 times in a row. 14 times in a row. Okay. Those three teams stand out to me as the best teams in our generation to not win a title. Okay. Well, I've got, Maybe there's I've, got, missing. I've got two others for you. Well, not two but, others. Okay. But my criteria here, though, is it's not a one-off. Like, it has to be – I'm, I'm talking about teams that were consistently good. So, for example – no so, offense, but – for example, yes, well, the Atlanta Falcons should that, have won the Super Bowl. That's exactly where they I was going with they it. Don't, they don't fit this criteria because they had – They've had actually. I mean, they've been in the playoffs a couple years, but that yeah. was like their, you know. What no, I mean? but that was that's exactly where I was going with it too. So, I was going to mention the um, the Super Bowl collapse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, we'll go for it if you want to say something. No, else. I mean it's it's just it's not. Uh, the less we talk about that, the better. Okay. All right, number four, Owen. and I'm a little bit biased, but I'm just going to say it. Baker Mayfield has been just as good this season as Patrick Mahomes. I'm a little salty that that Patrick Mahomes gets all the credit. Um, Let me tell you, if you watch these guys play, okay, what is so impressive about Patrick Mahomes 
is how good he is outside the pocket. Like, he gets outside of the pocket. He has such a strong arm. He can throw accurately. It kind of looks like Aaron Rodgers. But inside the pocket, Baker Mayfield is incredibly accurate. And when you factor in the fact that Patrick Mahomes is an offensive system where he has incredible weapons, incredible offensive line, and he gets to throw a lot of dunks, whereas that Cleveland is incredibly depleted at the offensive line and the receiver, and the receivers don't get any separation. If you just watch these two guys, I like not to say that well, Mahomes has been incredible. I think Baker Mayfield, what he's been able to do, there's a reason that no quarterback can go into the Browns and have success. If you just watch him throw the ball, he throws it well. Now, Baker Mayfield's made a few more mistakes, okay? Like, he, he's had, he's thrown, he tries to throw balls in the tight windows, so he's throwing more picks. I get that. But I'm convinced that he's playing this well, and if he played this well in Kansas City systems, he could do just as well as Patrick Mahomes. So and the there thing. is a little bias. But. No, 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 here's the thing. Also, I mean, I'm also a little biased because I'm also a Browns fan. Um, Falcons one, mm-hmm. Browns two. Let's get that clear for anyone who had any doubts. Um, I don't disagree with you because you you think of of what has gone on this season as as it pertains to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, now, this is where my inner conspiracy theorist gets to come out and play a little bit. Uh, I am convinced that the, that the league has a vendetta against the Cleveland Browns ever being good. Wow. Uh, Why do you because say that? through six games in the season, the Cleveland Browns have been admittedly wronged by the officiating crews twice. Yes, dude. When you are, when you are on the receiving end of poor calls – that influence a result 33% of the time. Yeah. That is not, that is not a coincidence. I mean, it's a small sample size. Uh, Yes. But the league is almost expecting the Browns to be bad so that when they see the Browns do something that could questionably be bad, even though it's the other team causing them to do that thing, they're, they're not getting, they're getting the short end of the stick. Let me, let me give you an example from this past Sunday against the Chargers. Now, the Browns deserve to lose that game. Let's not, yeah. let's not sugarcoat it. They didn't play well enough. The no, Chargers they got killed ran them. all over them. What I will say is this, though. Uh, at the end of the second quarter, the, Brown, the Chargers had a play where one of their linemen, I think it was their right guard, jumped a full second. Oh, yeah. The ball was snapped. <laughs> a full yeah. second. No, yeah. no flag. No, no false start. What do the Chargers do? They score on the very next play. So it is a case for me where I think there's something going on with the league telling their referees uh, not not to make it so that the Browns never win, but to not really give them the same love as they'd give to, I don't know, New England, Pittsburgh, yeah, any other mainstays in the later rounds of the playoffs. Really, um, Green Bay, for example, just to throw yeah. some names out there. Wow, that's this a, is my inner real, conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory. I mean, maybe I, I would be surprised because yeah. it is it is one thing to get a call wrong; it's another to get multiple calls multiple wrong, calls wrong against the same team, and it's another thing entirely to add all of that onto completely blatantly missing one. Yeah, on a no, most I... on on probably the most frequently called penalty in football, the false for start. sure, the false start, and against the Raiders, you know, two really bad calls. I exactly, think. and those were those were calls one. the league later said. The league they says one. Yeah, 
League said the first time, but I don't know. Yeah, so that's that's that. my bit with the conspiracy theorist. Uh, but going back to Baker Mayfield, yeah, Baker Mayfield is the Lord and Savior. Uh, go Browns. He is. Oh, and I got – let me tell you something too. Um, before we leave, I got the uh, – I got the Red Sox in six and the Brewers winning in seven. Wow. Okay. What about you? Um, I've got the Red Sox in six, and I've got the Dodgers in seven. The Dodgers in seven? I've got the Dodgers in seven. Wow. I think eventually uh, the Brewers are going to have to go to Hayter a little too early. That's going to make Knable and or Jeffress a little more vulnerable. And at the end of the day, if the Dodgers – can put the ball in play and they can get to Jeffress and they can get, they've already gotten to Jeffress in the so series. What's your level of concern on a, on a one to 10 for the Dodgers and the Red Sox? 10 being a concern level for losing. Dodgers the are concerned, but you don't I, think the Astros have any chance. I mean, I, I'm definitely not ruling the Astros out. Not, not, you don't rule out that team until the, until the series is over. Um, because you, you look at the lineup you look at the pitching staff, there is not a single place where you can hide. Um, so with the Dodgers, it's more so it depends how the Brewers' uh, initial outgetters, quote-unquote. Mm. It depends how they do. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it'll be a really intriguing end to the, the championship series round. And, um, you know, as much as it's a bittersweet time of the year, bring on the World Series. Yeah. That's all I got to say. We'll see, man. We'll see. Be very excited. Well, that's just all about all the time we have left for this edition of Hot Takes Only. This was episode 13. Uh, me, from about an hour ago, is very confused as to what episode we're on because we haven't recorded this in almost a month. But uh, thank you so much for listening and taking the time out of your day to join us and talk a little shop, talk some sports, mainly just baseball this week. So that's not your deal. We get you. Premier League is back this weekend. We'll be talking about the results next time on uh, hot takes only. Willie, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, want to see some good baseball, man. I miss. I'm gonna miss it. Yeah, no, it's always it's always bittersweet when baseball is gone because you know it's 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 an awesome sport. But then we have uh, we have football, and I'm not talking about American football. I'm talking about proper football played with your feet. Mm-hmm. But for does, Willie, does Dave Roberts, if if it's Red Sox Dodgers, does Dave Roberts get a standing ovation in Fenway Park? Oh, I think he absolutely does. Uh, you you can't discount what he did for that team in 04. Actually, today's the anniversary of Game 4 it is. of the 2004 ALCS yep. where the Red Sox began that still epic, epic comeback against the Yankees. Ugh. Yep. Greatest comeback in sports history. Um, Twitter, D, tr- Twitter trolls, feel free to DM me. Let me tell you how you're wrong. Um, well, thank you so much for tuning in uh, to this edition of Hot Takes Only. We'll be back next week, hopefully same time, same place. And by that, I mean your regularly scheduled time. This is going to go up earlier than usual because we haven't posted in so long. Uh, But for Willie, I'm Owen. Thank you so much again, and we will see you next time.